0: Hi there, everyone, I'm Gwen Jones and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people who proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, as you well know, over many episodes, I've talked about human dignity we've talked about mental health we've talked about shelter box we've talked about with mark Bello, we even talked about toilets we've talked about for days for girls but what if the human dignity could be as easy as being able to pick something up interesting to think about in some countries not having hands means not having a job not having hands means becoming a burden to society and not having hands is what Mohan Kumar wants to get fixed. I mean, he can't grow back their hands, but he and a group of other people and other Rotarians in his area are putting prosthetic hands on limbs and changing lives every single day. Today, I'm off to India to talk about prosthetic limbs and human dignity on the I'm a Rotarian podcast, and I am so excited that you've joined me. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Mohan Kumar is my guest today, and he is all the way in Bangalore, India, who is joining me. This is my first time someone from India has talked to me on the podcast, so that alone would be cool. However, cause Shaker said he's gonna come but he hasn't come up yet. So come on Shaker. Um, but some of the titles that this gentleman has is that he is a master teacher for the Rotary Leadership Institute. He is a charter president of the joint secretary for uh, uh, South Asia. He's gonna tell us about the strategic planning group that he is in charge of. And he has also written an article about DEI as a service project, but that's not the only reason why I've invited him on the show. What I got into when I was looking at when I was doing my Facebook stalking is that Mohan has a prosthetic hand program that he has literally helped thousands of people with just being able to pick something up. It's one of the most easiest things that we don't even think about. Mohan, thank you so much for joining me on the show. We have so much to talk
1: about. (laughs) Absolutely. My pleasure, Grant. So look forward to chat with you.
0: Well, first of all, I want to say that as we are recording this to all my podcast fans, it is a lovely late morning, early afternoon here in the Pacific Northwest, but all the way in India, it is the middle of the night, technically tomorrow. For me, it is a little after 1 a.m. in the morning. So thank you so much for waking up in the middle of the night to do this. That's that's really thoughtful of you. And I really appreciate it. So.
1: My honor and pleasure.
0: pleasure. Oh, well, thank you. So I want to start. There's so many things to to start with. Let's let's do some of the business stuff before we talk about the uh, prosthetic limbs and some of the numbers that you just have for this past month. There is. A lot of titles that you gave me, that being somebody here in the United States, we don't have. (laughs) I think it's an easy way of of saying it. I mean, I'm the president of my Rotary group, and we've got district governors and stuff. But what exactly is a master teacher for the Rotary Leadership Institute? And what is this, uh, what does it mean to be a joint secretary of South Asia, it sounds like you should have like a like a, a a black Cadillac with flags coming off of it, like a president or ambassador would have. They're very they're very lovely titles, I should say.
1: Oh, not at all, not at all. <laughs> Rotary is all about uh, no ordinary people trying to do extraordinary work. So I just represent the Rotary from that context. So if you look at the Rotary Leadership Institute. Basically, this is a grassroots uh, level program for any aspirational leader at the club level and anybody beyond the club level where we create that hunger for knowledge. So this Mm -hmm. hunger for knowledge is created through experiential sharing. So what is experiential sharing? It is very similar to what we have in the international assembly where there is the facilitation that happens where the learners on the other side, they start sharing their experiences. So, the discussion just a leader just facilitates this process. So, as part of South Asia, we have the Rotary Leadership Institute South Asia, which is spread across seven countries, which will comprise of India, Sri Lanka, Nepal, Bhutan, then Maldives. Right, These are the countries. And in addition, we also have Bangladesh as such. So, what is it that what we do? There are uh, training programs that are conducted, which will enable a person to be effective at a club leader, beyond the club, and at a global level as such. So, I've undergone these trainings, and I also conduct the training for the trainers as such. So, that's how I've been designated as a master trainer. And for this Rotary Leadership Institute, South Asia, I am the Joint Secretary. So what is Rotary Leadership in South Asia doing in the last one one and a half year? Yeah. We, got onto the, we, we got onto the virtual mode mm-hmm. and literally every weekend we have a training session. I've been so busy in the last one and a half year that I've done at least about 100 plus training programs. I'm thoroughly enjoying
0: this. That is amazing. I mean, I can't think, I mean, especially here in the United States, when it comes to training, of course, there's the big govern uh, governor's uh, assembly that usually happens somewhere here. And there's, of course, pets to get your presidents ready, president-elect training. But to have something weekly, is this just in in these countries? Or is this something that you'd like to spread everywhere?
1: This is basically a global model, and then it originated from the United States. Okay. But what happened was the momentum picked up in the pandemic. Ah. because On the virtual mode, you're able to get the best of the discussion leaders. Mm -hmm. And people just had to spend about two to three hours on the weekend for three days, and they were able to complete their courses. There are basically three parts to it, part one, part two, and part three. So, in all put together, you have about 17 topics. So, within a period of about uh, two or three months, generally, you are able to graduate from Rotary Leadership Institute. And once you finish your graduation, you can also undertake a faculty orientation training program where you are given the nuances about how to facilitate a training session. And then you go on to become a discussion leader.
0: My God, I, I feel like I'm highly undertrained for my position as Rotary president of my club. Um, well, so you said this is grassroots. So did this actually start with your club or your district? Did it start in your area?
1: Yeah, basically. Basically, since we are looking at the best practices, we <laughs> don't confine this to one particular club as such. So we involve multiple clubs. Generally, the batch size is about 25 participants. So this 25 participants will be spread across one district. But gotcha. now with, with, with the virtual trainings happening, so it is even multi-district and sometimes it is more than one country as such.
0: So with those 25, 30 people, it really makes it, much more intimate. I mean, I know I've gone to pets or district assemblies here in the United States and there's two, three, four, sometimes up to 15, 2000 people at these events. There certainly isn't a a time to do necessarily best practices or really exchange ideas. So what you're saying is you have more with smaller groups. Is that, that sound about right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So it is not only about it is not only about sharing of best practices. Right. It also imbibes every element of the core values of Rotary. In terms of there is fellowship, there is a service opportunity. Integrity is needless to be there. There is diversity and obviously mm-hmm. lead, leadership opportunities. So RLI right lives by the core values of Rotary.
0: Wow, I love yeah. it. I, I, it's, it's encouraging. Is it something that RI has taken notice? I mean, do you have all the way here in the United States as I assume, you know, Shaker is, is right down the street. Cause you know, India being Absolutely. such a small country, you know, you right. probably just, you know, meet each other for cricket every week, but, right. <laughs> but is this something that, Others higher up, will say, for no better words, have taken notice. Is this Could this be a new training way that we train here in Rotary?
1: Absolutely right. In fact, if you take uh, RLI was approved in the Council on uh, Legislation. Yes. However, RLI said, uh, right, they will not want to be part of officially, you know, of Rotary as such. Mm -hmm. But uh, RLI is very appreciative at all levels as such. Well, that's because great. It, it, it follows a similar methodology like the International Assembly.
0: So, it, so it, it's so it's kind of your own thing. However, it, Rotary International is is it, it it I assume you make sure that all the training and best practices are the ones that are endorsed then by Rotary International. I think is that is that easy to say.
1: Yes, directly. Directly, it is not endorsed by Rotary International. Okay. However, right, it is only the Rotarians who are part of it. Okay. All right. So, 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 so we do share our experience in the process.
0: So, and it's been obviously very successful because you said you've had how many? You had one every week this last year.
1: Oh, uh, about last one and a half year, uh, I at least I have done more than about hundred sessions. So one session is for a minimum of one and a half hour and there are some topics where the each session is for about 2 hours
0: wow so where rotary is growing and i and i if anybody's listening to me now just look at the stats yourself where rotary is growing is india and the continent yeah. of africa in leaps and bounds you know here in america we are unfortunately part of the stigma That is, you know, uh, oh, by the way, all you guys are old gray men. So that's, you know, that is what unfortunately we have here in America. But if you look at other countries, it's incredible how fast it's growing and how and and the average member is younger. The yes. average member is a lot more active. And according yes. to what you're explaining to me here, especially in your area of India, the average person is willing to get trained and trained a lot. And that's why I think I, 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 I asked this question that is, is that could that be one of the secret sauces of why rotary is growing so fast in India is that you are willing to put the effort into training and telling people truly what, rotary is
1: i would say i would say if you look at it from a holistic perspective training is something that probably enhances one knowledge to get the internationality of rotary and probably the bigger picture okay but what attracts right a common man to the rotary world is the sort of service projects that are taken up and the projects are you know, pretty huge because of the need that is there and right. rotary is actually trying to bridge that gap and so 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 we have a lot of youngsters right getting into the fold of rotary and now with the dual membership and rotract being being given the same status as rotary as such so we have a lot of people in the early 30s who are part of this Rotary family as such, and yes, definitely Asia and, in particular, India, the membership is doing extremely well. Especially with this year, with uh, RI President uh, Shakers' emphasis on each one bring one, we have done phenomenally well.
0: Well, I and it's and it shows, and the numbers show. I mean, I I, I find it, it, you know, interesting that it is really North America that is falling behind people that can hear my voice, our voices, you know, and uh, I you know, because I, I have people saying, oh, you know, Rotary here, that's kind of dying out. And I'm like, I don't know. I got a, I got a whole continent and a couple of countries that I can throw at you right now that seem to be doing really well. And I'm I I still propose the question that perhaps. Uh, it has something to do with the mass training. So I want to know you about you as a Rotarian, and then I'm going to get to these two subjects, which I find very interesting, and that is the diversity, equity, and inclusion as a service project, which leads us right into your uh, prosthetic limbs project. Right. But first of all, you are a Rotarian, sir, correct?
1: Absolutely. Okay, I-
0: I- you are a Rotarian, So, how did you get into Rotary? How did you how did you discover the wheel?
1: Uh, It so happened that uh, I was practicing Tai Chi, and uh, one of my friends.
0: Okay, I I had to. I'm sorry, Tai Chi. You're in India. I think the bad cliche would say that you practice yoga. So I have to say that that makes me love you even more. That you're (laughs) the first thing you're saying is I'm here in India practicing an ancient. Chinese, work go.
1: You were practicing Tai Chi. I'm sorry to interrupt. Practicing Tai Chi and things like that, and uh, she invited me. You know, she says, "Why don't you come over and then probably have a look at the club?" And uh, her spouse was a Rotarian, okay. so that is how I got invited into Rotary. And here I am. It's been about 17 years from that. Time.
0: Wow, and do you have? So, and have you been in, uh, besides, I should say, besides all these other things that you're in charge of now, have you been uh, a president
1: or district governor? Oh, no. I was a president <laughs> in uh, 2010 and eleven. So, I would be... I love how you said,
0: oh, no, 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 uh, no, no, I'm not doing it. No, no, I'm no, no,
1: not a governor. It takes a lot <laughs> of time. It's very competitive in India. So... And uh, I would not uh, probably aspire for those sort of positions, but definitely I would love to contribute every moment and every time of what I have to do. So I was a club president in uh, 2010 and 11.
0: Wow. So is anyone else in your family in Rotary?
1: No, I, I, I'm i the first Rotarian in my family.
0: I, you know, I, I we're getting better, but you'd be surprised how many people say, "Oh no, I'm the only Rotarian in the family." But in your case, speaking yeah. what you do is you train future Rotarians. I, I gotta say, I'm a little shocked <laughs> no one else. You can't train any
1: anybody
0: else to in your family
1: yet. Oh yes, I can do that, but then if you talk about my training, probably. I have not kept the count. It will be about five to ten thousand. Rotarians not oh,
0: Okay, all right. That sounds okay. Well, let's get to the main reason why I brought you on today, and that is because you you are doing something that I think is is just in its simplicity one of the most beautiful uh, civic duties, I should say, but I should say one of its most beautiful service projects that I've ever seen. And that is that you provide prosthetic limbs to children.
1: Is that correct? Not not only to children, it's both children's and adults.
0: Could you tell us a little bit about how this whole project started?
1: Okay. So it all started in about 2007, there is a foundation in the U.S. called the Ellen Meadows Prosthetic Hand Foundation. Yes. So they were in Bangalore. So they were looking out uh, for an ideal Rotary club, which could actually take up the prosthetic hand project. So my former club at that given point of time where I was actively involved, and we still continue to do so, we've been providing the lower limbs, that is the Jaipur limbs, Mm-hmm. The crutches, calipers, wheelchairs, tricycles, and we also even have extended this to polio corrective surgeries. We have done about eight seventy-five polio corrective surgeries, and I got an opportunity to extend this project to about seventy hip, hip replacement surgeries. So, so, so seventy began- different, seventy
0: different locations do this? Is that what I'm hearing correct? I'm sorry. Oh,
1: 70 patients in one location and one hospital. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yes. Thank you. So so, so, so with this sort of background of uh, having done about 45,000 limbs and uh, the other uh, prosthetics, we became the obvious choice. And they said, no, why don't you probably reach out this prosthetic hands? So we picked it up. We picked it up. And then we initiated this in the year about 2007 in Bangalore in in India. And a couple of years, we did this in our annual uh, limb camp that happens in the first week of January. I got an opportunity to go to Thailand for the Rotary International Convention in Bangkok, which was about uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. And in that year, I happened to meet Jim Yoder, one of the... Vice Presidents of the Ellen Meadows Prosthetic and Foundation. Wow. So we, we we had a discussion and then we knew that this collaborative effort can probably help a lot of people. And then from there onwards, I took it across to India, where I traveled Mukan corner of India, speaking at district conferences, district assemblies, pets and sets, and built capacities across india by working with rotary clubs and today the journey that what i started from 2007 till today we have crossed about providing 25000 artificial hands as such this is good. the background.
0: oh my god so 25000 is that per month per year
1: per or it, up to it, this point it, it is up to this point it is up, up to, this, to this, point. this point it is so, it is one of the largest of its kind one of the largest of its kind so
0: with other rotary groups in india 25000 limbs and i have to it is india is a beautiful country however it does not have the same I would say, backup infrastructure for people who have disabilities. Is that is that a politically correct way <laughs> of saying it? What does it mean for somebody in your country not to have a hand or not to have a limb?
1: So what happens is if you look at our last census data, about 2% of the population are differently able so so so, okay. so so yeah so so that disability could be you know any sort of disability including locomotor disability as such so within that two percent roughly about four percent of them have lost their hand and most of them are predominantly in the rural part of india okay. so the most of the people who live in the rural part of india they are from the economically weakest uh, strata and these people uh, when we started didn't have even access to information, level on to the prosthetic as such. So it was quite a challenge you know, for us to build in the education process in terms of how they can still get going with the prosthetic limb. And in some cases, still they can be better off. So if you look at this prosthetic limb, all the activities of daily living can be done. For example, let us say, say if a mother has lost her hands and she's unable to hold her baby. By using this prosthetic hand, she's able to hold her baby. A barber is able to hold scissors in one hand and a comb in other hand. He's able to get back to his education. A school-going student is able to hold a pen and write his exam and then get very good grades. Mm-hmm. A Simple activity like probably brushing, right, or probably putting a spoon and then having food, etc. These are the sort of utilities the day you're able to relieve somebody and then take care of yourself. is a big relief right, to the family and most of them are able to take care of themselves and probably they get integrated into the mainstream society too. because most of them would have lost their jobs once you lose any limb. And like that. So many people are able to even get back to their vocation.
0: And I think in in you say rural areas, and so and I think that is tremendously important because when you're talking about a rural area, there is no no infrastructure. I mean, you can't just if you can't cook, you can't go down to the restaurant down the street. If you can't hold your baby or whatever, it means nursing or taking care of that or feeding the child becomes, you know, you become um. I don't want to use the B word of burden, but in a society where your limbs are your life, literally losing one can kind of cease life in a way or, or worth living, I guess you could say. And I, I'm, I, those are my words, not your words. I,
1: I, I completely, I completely agree with you because what happens is the loss of limb can also lead to loss of confidence in life yeah and because of that you know they also get depressed so so even a phenomenal product cannot tap up their confidence so as part of as part of the camps medical camps that what we conduct we not only provide training we also do provide even counseling services to ensure right they have the full confidence and then you know, they can get back to, to the mainstream society
0: well and i think I, one thing that I think we forget as Rotarians, especially uh, myself here in the United States, is that we also, not we're all Rotarians, but from different countries and different cultures. And I think the culture part is really important, uh, especially in these rural areas, that, that you are giving them dignity and the training. So, I mean, not only are you training them in... Uh, learning how to use the the hand itself but are you then training them in some type of way to get them back out into society again do you have classes of that kind of
1: stuff as well absolutely absolutely for example for example if you look at it let's assume that somebody has lost the hand the upper lip now by using this hand probably they can get on to using a keyboard
0: uh-huh. So, they're,
1: so that they're able to get back to the job, right? And then they're able to earn. Uh, for example, if you look at the mother of the house, in case she has lost his hand, now what will happen is she will be able to roll bread and then probably you know feed her entire family. So every person who's provided this particular hand will make a difference not only to themselves, but to, to probably do their family members or somebody else as such.
0: So these hands, I mean, when here in the United States, we see these, these runners going incredibly fast on these things that look like, a, God, they look almost look like a knife that they're running right. on. And both of us dabble around the tech industry. And so there are prosthetic limbs now that actually connect to Nerve endings in your back, and that you can actually feel, and that you can. Act- we're not talking those quite yet, right? Is absolutely. I, I we're, absolutely we're talking your more basic ones.
1: Yeah, so these are called what you describe them. These are called as bionic hands. Okay, they are almost equal, right, to a normal hand. So right. what happens is you are able to grip. So depending on the type of the bionic hand you get about 12 14 grips etc so you are able to grip a uh, business card you are able to grip right uh, egg so you get various types of grips and nowadays this bionic hands you are you are able to feel right when you hold something you are able to feel it also so uh-huh. that is a bionic hand right but we we as rotary we generally cater to right the larger segment and okay. what we provide is a very very basic hand which is a mechanical hand made out of high grade plastic weighs just about 400 grams and it is a non invasive procedure just like putting on your socks you put you put on this hand and it just takes about 6 minutes or 10 minutes right to properly use this and as you start practicing it right you start to learn the utility value and then you get going Maybe at some given point of time, they themselves are in a position to buy this high-end prosthetic hand. So what we provide is a very very basic mechanical one.
0: So these aren't the these aren't the bionic, but of course they aren't the the hook that we all saw for many yes. years. We had a lot right. of vets that came back here, and it was just yeah, it was a it was a hook that kind of had. Um, so I assume, however, one. Can these people put them on by themselves, or do they need assistance?
1: Uh, if if they have one hand, then they can, they can use the, the other hand to put right. it across. When they have lost both the hands, probably they will need the support of somebody, someone else. Okay, and then two. Then do they ever break? I mean,
0: I are do I? What is the longevity of a prosthetic hand? So I mean, is this a?
1: Yes, that's a very good question. Since this is made of high-grade plastic, Mm -hmm. probably this will last about 7 to 10 years. Okay. But these prosthetic hands are provided at no cost. Wow. The beneficiary does not pay a single dollar towards this. We are extremely happy when they come back to us asking for a replacement because they only come back when it is useful to them. So no questions asked. We simply you know request that
0: hand. So your your so your philosophy is they're coming back to you because they've used it, they're coming absolutely. back to you because they they feel great, they're a part of absolutely. society, maybe they have a job for the first time forever. So, but this one just wore out, and you're like, fine, here you go. Ab-
1: absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes it does happen that this person using the prosthetic hand. Drives a two wheeler and brings somebody else and says, "Hey, I have my friend. Why don't you (laughs) take
0: mine? Works so well. Can you give one to my other?" And by the way, we'll come to your training class about Rotary. So uh, then, what what is the I should say what is the oldest person that you've given one of these to, and who has been the youngest that you've given one of these hands to?
1: So if you look at the age criteria, probably somewhere. uh, Between 8 to 10 years is the youngest what we provide. So 8 to 10 years years old. 8 to 10 years. And the oldest can be anybody. So we have people even about 90 90 years old coming and picking it up.
0: So there must be, when you you give these hands, there must be um, almost the same reaction. So you have a child who maybe has never really known their hand to get a hand, which is an incredible sensation. And then I imagine someone in their 90s once remembers a hand, and now they are allowing themselves to have a a hand again. They're reattaching to that hand again. It must be mind-blowing for both extremes.
1: It is is, is mind-blowing because most of the times what happens is Either they are in tears or they're in joy. So when you see them in joy, the smile on their face is priceless. Mm -hmm. They are in tears because they have completely given up their hope, telling that, okay, my life is gone. I'm done with it because I have lost my limbs. But then you come back to them and give them a hope. And for them, that hope is like a miracle. So these people come back to us and then say, we have not seen God. But for us, no, you guys are God. That's how that's how they express themselves.
0: Well, it must be like you said, and you and you you slipped it in when you were talking about it that you guys also do uh, counseling work and you do work with these folks to get used to this hand. I mean, there's like, there's almost like a two different types of training, the way you speak of it. There's the physical part of training. We're going to teach you how to hold that cup or that spoon or, you know, that keyboard. But then there's the mental part of training, which who, who helps you guys with that? Who helps you work with collaboration with psychologists or therapists throughout the area? How do you, how do you work that part?
1: See, that is where that is where the strength of a rotary comes in. Okay. If you look at it, if you if you look at rotary, right? You got a certain competency, I got a certain competency. Me okay. and you put together our biggest, right? I mean, part of I mean the biggest skill bank in the world. That is Rotary. So all of them are volunteers who are part of the process. So typically, typically it is a one-day process where This particular program is announced about 90 days to 120 days ahead. The project is publicized in print media, electronic media, social media, through the government, through the NGOs. These people call the designated numbers, and then then they inquire about this project, when it's going to happen. They are asked to share their details in terms of where exactly the amputation of the loss of the lep has happened. A basic qualification happens because one of the criteria is that from below the elbow, you need to have a minimum of four inches of stump. Okay. And these people are called for on the designated day. And once they come on the designated day, so it's a morning to evening process generally. So the camp starts at about 8.30 in the morning and gets over probably about 4.35. And where the camps are bigger, sometimes it extends even up to night, 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock. So the process is initially, there's going to be a registration process. There's going to be a qualification process. After that, there's going to be a fitment process. Post the fitment, they will have training. So in the training, these people are made to use, right, using a spoon, a fork. And probably use a scraper to scrape cucumber, or mm-hmm. probably lift a mug or a bucket. All these sort of trainings are provided. Once the trainings are done, then we have the counselors who actually counsel them and then pep up their confidence and say you can be much better than what you wear in the wow. and then we leave them off there. So this is a whole day process.
0: What a whole, I mean, I, I imagine. I, you know, I, I, have, I have not ever been able to go on a, on a vaccine tour yet. I always add yet. But this has to be as mind-blowing, if not more, to, to start the
1: day. And please, you were saying. Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. Indeed it is. Because the smallest of the project that what we have done is for about 35 people benefiting on one single day. Okay. To the largest, to the largest being 1,279 people. One of the largest of its kind in the world, in my opinion. So,
0: Of all day. And so all day, all you guys were doing were bringing in fitting, teaching them, giving them some counseling and sending them on their way as a new life. I mean, it was, it's pretty easy to say that those over, you know, those thousand people that you took in that one day came in one way and left totally and completely another way that has to be quite a service project.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Indeed. Indeed. It is a life-changing moment for them. Mm So that is where we say these prosthetics, they enable better quality of life and they they are life-changing.
0: Yeah. And I would say it, it, you know, when you, you've got the expression you, when you throw a rock in a pond, it's the ripple effect of it that happens, you know, this is, we, we talk about, especially with service projects, were you feeling useful or was it being useful? So what is the, what is the vibration that's come out of doing the service project? And this is one of those few service projects that, that, we may never know what the fantastic ripple effect was that because this one little boy or one little girl or one older man or one you know all of a sudden got a job or got to help his family or helped, you know, we will never know. It's kind of fun. very
1: true, very true. In fact, in fact, uh, we call this as a ripple effect, utilizing yes. right with the rotary network. In India, we have got about uh, 39 uh, Rotary districts in India. Mm-hmm. Almost all the districts have undertaken this project in the last 15 years. So wow. what happens is one club gets trained. And when another club, Rotary club, wants to pick up this project, this club goes and supports them. So through this ripple effect, right, there is a collaborative effort in reaching the unreached
0: that that's huge. And that, you know, that whole thing could be a podcast in itself. Cause I find here in America, it's like, look at our, look at our our project that we did, you know, and here it is. And then when it's like, well, we'd love to do that project too. Could you share all those materials with us? It's like, "Uh uh, that was our idea. It sounds like, especially with this, it's a very yes. And, or the more, the merrier to get this done. And it's, to have an entire country service project. I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that it, you know, you have an entire country that's wanting to do this with all of those skills of all those Rotarians.
1: So what we did was what we did was not only to India, we also have supported these projects in Sri Lanka, Nepal, Bangladesh. I myself, I was there in Zambia just before the pandemic, two years before. And last year, virtually we supported this project in Mauritius. And there are other couple of countries like Tanzania and Nigeria that have come up. In fact, on January 23rd, I was supposed to be in Nigeria, but because of the pandemic, it has got postponed. So what we are doing is we're extending this beyond India, beyond Asia or Africa as such, wherever there's a need. Right. We are here to probably share our knowledge and use our rotary network and ensure at the end of the day, we reach the honest
0: Well, and it, it sounds amazing. And much like a shelter box, for instance, that was started as a rotary project, this has that same type of ripple effect until itself is known as one would hope you know, maybe someday that Rotary is known as one of the leaders in prosthetic limbs, much like, you know, that ShelterBots project is now all over the world. So it, it brings me to my next question, and that is the article that you wrote about diversity, equity, and inclusion as part of a service project. And I think we celebrate diversity, equity, and inclusion. Absolutely. We have had it we've talked about many aspects of it here on the podcast. But what you're saying is why can't diversity and equity and inclusion be a service project? Could you tell me a little bit more about that article?
1: Absolutely. So if you look at if you look at uh, we've been speaking off late a lot of a lot of uh, DI diversity yeah. and inclusion. So so when we speak about diversity Diversity is beyond age and gender. So yes. diversity, diversity is about you know, our diverse perspectives of how we handle a particular situation. So when you look at, when you look at, when you look at from a service project perspective, the diversity could come from the type of disability. It could come from, it would come from diverse backgrounds. It could come from diverse age groups, diverse genders. Mm-hmm. So there are many aspects of the diversity. So what is the equity from a service project? So if you if you take this prosthetic hand, those who have got four inches of residual stump below the elbow are only eligible. But what we found in India, at least 30% of the people who turn up don't have that required four inches of stump. Okay. So what we did is we have innovated where we have got a customized extender. We use this extender to make up that loss of limb or whatever be that inches, one inch or two inch. We use this extender as a pipe and then we fit the hand. That is how right? we talk about equity, where the solutions are customized depending on right, the recipient. The the inclusivity part comes in where everybody is made feel wanted. Mm -hmm. We have a classic example of one person who has actually come and been a recipient of this prosthetic hand. And today he has participated in more than 40 training programs of this particular limb camp where he come and tells them, hey guys, I didn't have a hand. Now using this hand... I'm much better off than somebody who's got their hand. So he will tell them how to scrape, how to use it. He will probably tell them how to ride uh, a two-wheeler in probably about 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> that, is, that is how you bring about the inclusivity.
0: So when you're saying, so so instead of, and, and, and I don't want to say instead of celebrating, because we should always celebrate our diversity, our equity, and inclusion. But what you're saying is through this prosthetic hand uh, service project, not only have you, you've kind of checked a lot more boxes because you're, you're working with other rotary groups. You're adding new rotary members from these people with these hands. You can say, hey, this is rotary. This is, we got you this hand. Would you like to know more about rotary? In other words, you're including them not only in rotary but your your service project is including is diversity and equity in your cities, in your towns, in these people's lives. It's it's a new way to think of a service project. Is that is that kind of what I'm hearing?
1: Absolutely, I completely agree with you. So so if this goes beyond the horizon of right just the Rotary Club or probably the beneficiary. So okay. today, if you today if you look at uh, the second uh, strategic. Uh, Priority, which is basically called an action plan. So this is speaking about this is speaking about expanding our reach. So we have worked with beyond the rotary. So we work with many other different NGOs. Governments are very keen and they are appreciating the good work that what we do. Mm -hmm. So there are many organizations who come forward and say, Oh my goodness, if you guys are doing this and the product, this is the way that we can come and then contribute to whatever you're doing. So, by and large, what we are trying to do, we are also enhancing the public image and awareness of the, what Rotary does in terms of doing good in the world.
0: Well, and I'd also say that the loss of a limb, much like COVID, is non denominational. Non, you know, anybody could get COVID. Black, white, Christian, Muslim, rich, poor, you know, COVID is a all opportune thing. And so is losing a limb. So just the idea of what your service project does, it's automatically inclusive because I assume that you are not when these people checking in saying, you know, what is your religious background or what is your educational background or what is your socioeconomic background? You're saying you need a hand, you need a leg, let's do it.
1: So that's the ultimate inclusion, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. No questions asked. No questions asked. What religion, what caste, right? What is right your economical? right? Or even
0: if you could afford it.
1: Absolutely. So, absolutely. There, there okay. are people there are people who have come to us. They bought this, uh, extremely expensive gadgets mm-hmm. and they fail within a couple of months. And if the service is not available in India, they have come back to us and say, right, can we try this? And after that, they uh-huh. come back and say, this is much better than the gadget that what I bought.
0: So they bought, they went out and bought the, the real fancy dancy car and found out that it wouldn't work on any of the roads.
1: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely,
0: saying, absolutely. Hey, could I, that's, you know, that is, that's actually fascinating because there are gadgets. But when we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, is that one of the reasons why you're doing these limbs is that the infrastructure around these rural places are not engaged for perhaps something that needs to be charged or something. Now that things needs be- now,
1: now, now things are changing in the last yeah. 10 years. In the last 10 years, there is so much of emphasis by the Indian government on improving the health infrastructure. Things are mm-hmm. changing. So what we are doing is actually we are going hand-in-hand. In hand. So till till probably the government comes up to that state, right? We are always there to take care. It's, it's a similar role that what we have as far as the polio eradication program is concerned. So what we did was we augmented the whole process in terms of whatever WHO or government or CDC was doing. Wow. So it is the same role that what we have over.
0: So I know, according to your Facebook page, you just had some camps. And I know I have you for just a few more minutes so I can have you go to bed. <laughs> Could you give us some of the wonderful numbers from this camp that you just had?
1: Oh, we, we did about uh, seven camps this month. And wow. uh, I have one more uh, happening day after tomorrow in a place called Hyderabad, which is the capital of a state called Telangana. And incidentally, on 29th, We have the RI president, Shekhar Mehta, there. We are going to have have a three-day presidential conference, Rotary International Presidential Conference, which will be attended by about 3,000 Rotarians from India. So just before this presidential conference, we're going to have a limb camp as such, which will be the eighth one of this particular month. And probably we're looking at about 550 people benefiting in this camp that we conducted in Hyderabad on 27th and 28th. So in all put together in the month of April, it's in. 1,968 people would have benefited from this process.
0: Wow. Just this just for these camps, just and for these you...
1: camps, only in the month of April, only, only in, in the, the month,
0: month of April. April. So, it's, so the- you, do you do these camps? you do several camps every single month
1: absolutely so if you take before the pandemic right for the past 2 years before the pandemic we did average of about 48 to 50 camps a year so that goes to say almost one camp a week
0: almost one camp now because a week. of
1: the pandemic it has come down but wow. we're getting back there
0: i was going to say but are you are you building back up so that so yeah. that leads me to the question how do you afford to get back up how can my listeners help you? How, how can we help you help others?
1: Yeah, so so what happens is uh, probably if there are better prosthetics that are available and that can be made available, then that would be very good. Okay. And, and probably in any sort of improvisation on the products. Now, if you look at most of the prosthetics that are available globally, most of them, even the commercial ones, they're all below elbow prosthetics. There are very few for people who have lost above the elbow or even from the shoulder to the elbow. such. So probably they can probably design and then build a product around that.
0: So that's then, your first. So one of the first things that you'd love is the technology to advance. Technology. But the technology takes money. Is there a way to I mean, it sounds like I mean, it's it almost sounds like you guys are self-sufficient, which is which is lovely. But as a as a podcast voice heard all around the world, can other Rotarians help you or are you just so self-sufficient? You
1: just decided to show up for a podcast. (laughs) So 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 it it, it is not only it is not only the financial needs, because not only the financial, the support can come in any form, the support can come in any form. Right. So my email ID is there. So probably they can write and then discuss. And depending on you know, whatever it is, you know, we can look at how we can collaborate together.
0: I have to say that's a very yes and attitude, which is lovely and refreshing. I mean, most people say, yes, you can give me money and here's our website and everything. But you're I'm I'm happy to share your uh your Facebook contact with people if they're interested. Um is this, is this your forever job? Is this a forever service project? Do you ever see you guys ending this or you're just happy? You're training and putting on prosthetic limbs. That's your life. Is that is that what it sounds like?
1: Uh, I've done many projects. I've done many projects. But uh, this is a project that is uh, very close to my heart. Yeah. And the need is so much. The need is so much. Probably it's too early for us to pull it out until unless I have built in capacities and system where somebody can take over and then I get going to something. Because if you look at this foundation from the US, they are promoting this particular project in 82 countries, but wow. India is the most successful among 82 countries. So it did take in uh, quite a bit of effort to ensure that we are number one among the 82 countries so it is just not a number one for the sake of being number one it is that we've been able to capitalize right on the rotary network and then we were able to localize and then customize the solutions and that's how we've been successful so it's really that it's the really
0: the backbone is the all the rotary clubs around completely- you saying let's be let's work together for this greater good
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I cannot. uh...
0: Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So then that leaves me with uh, your final question. So you can go take a nap and go to sleep because you've got more work to do. We call it the elevator question. And that is if I'm on an elevator and I see your rotary pin or I see all you guys doing all these prosthetic, uh, arms and you've had this wonderful day and I say, I would love to know more about Rotary. What would you do? What would you say? Why would I want to join Rotary?
1: Yeah, I would go by what Paul Harris said. Paul Harris said that we are supplier of happiness. So Thanks. we supply happiness to fellow Rotarians. We supply happiness right to the people of the community around because that's what we do day in and out. We supply happiness.
0: Well, what an awesome way you have supplied... <laughs> A whole lot of happiness for me today. This is an absolutely wonderful story. And the idea, again, that you've gotten up in the middle of the night to make it happen for me. I, again, appreciate you. And thank you for all the work you and the rest of your country's Rotarians are doing to make just the simplest uh, dignities in life possible. I thank you so much for your time today, Mohan. I really do.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Gwen. It was nice uh, catching up with you. And I've also been reading your posts, so it was uh-huh. wonderful. So I wish you all the best for the thank couple you. of months that what you have as a club president.
0: Well, thank you. Yes, I know I'm almost out. I might I might have to come to India and, and help at one of your camps. But I are you going to be by chance in Houston?
1: I may be there. I may be uh-huh. there. In the last I I, I was there in the Hamburg convention. Last two conventions didn't happen. So right? I'm likely to be around. There.
0: Well, you come look me up. I will be around, and it would be an honor to see you face to face, sir. I would, I would love to, and know more about all of your wonder, wonderful adventures. And I thank you so much for joining me.
1: My honor and pleasure. Look forward to very soon. Thank you,
0: Uh thank you, Mohan. I, I was overwhelmed after I recorded this. We talk about human dignity. I've thrown those words out there, but picking something up, having hands, prosthetic. I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to look at my hands the same way again. Thank you, sir, for all you do. And you know, as this was being released, one, it was after convention. And I'm sorry to say the two of us didn't meet up, but I am as of tomorrow, no longer the president of my Rotary Club here on Woodby Island, which means I can do one of those once a week prosthetic hand events. It's on my bucket list, Mohan. I'm on my way. Until next week, do tell a friend about the podcast. Download us, follow us, and rate us. Check me out on Rotary Radio UK. And as always, take care of yourself and the world around you. We'll hear you next time on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. Have a wonderful week, everyone.